0: Hey, good morning again. Take a seat when you good morning. Sorry it's so hot outside. Yeah. There's no snow on the ground. I don't care what you say. Uh, hey, it's a big Sunday for the Baldwins. Uh happy happy you guys are here. Good job. Congratulations. You can officially say you've been to this church more this year than the lead pastor. Good job. Uh so uh Congratulations. Give him a hard time, man. Do it. Do it as much as you can. Um, Big big Sunday. Uh, Six years, 364 days ago, uh, tall guy, smoking hot wife came in, sat down, right? Three rows from the back, four rows from the back, probably three rows from the back. I'm a little, you know, I like to sit in the back. Uh, And we sat down and we met some people and we listened to this guy talk. He was okay. Preaching was, you know, fine. It was funny, whatever. And um, you know, I heard, I heard it was a casual church, so I wore my Raiders out, my Raider outfit, right? Raiders uniform, and I sat there. And not only was I welcomed, the guy on the stage made fun of me for Raider, wearing a Raider, Raider. Scott, he made fun of me for wearing a Raiders out uh, jersey. Right? He's like, oh, oh, they're terrible. Heitzman, Mark Heitzman came up to me and he was like always, he was wearing a Niners and he made fun of me. I was like, man, all you people are like Niners fans. He's like, no, no, no. Scott's a big Raiders fan. And so, uh, and, and and all these years later, uh, you know, we're we're loving it. So we're having a great time. Love that you guys are here. Good job. And uh, yeah, seven years tomorrow. I mean today, you know, but tomorrow. So, um, so glad to be here a uh, lot lot of things are happening today i don't know if you know this but uh we got uh, cuz we're all adults here. We get excited over socks that we got at Christmas. We have new trash cans, right? We have a new, a new outdoor trash cans coming. Uh, the bulletins that you automatically hate because they're different. You got to go like that and like this, but they're new and exciting. Thank you for any input anyone gave about anything ever, right? There's too much stuff going on at Christmas time, but if you gave input or you did something or you ordered something or you whatever, if you complained and then we ran with it, did. All this stuff, thank you, love it. Uh, keep sending in all, all that stuff in because it, it helps us, you know, become better and all that good stuff. Uh, we are it, so, so that was seven years ago, right? Uh, six months after that, uh, the, the worship guy at the time, Gino and Scott, was leaving. Uh, they were gone for like a week, and and uh, <laughs> Scott asked me to do something kind of scary, he asked me to preach, and I was like terrified because. I hate public speaking. Good career choice, huh? Right? And I still hate public speaking. Good career choice, huh? So uh, I spoke about uh, about a subject that I absolutely love. And, and uh, afterwards, Scott kind of was like, hey, let's start talking about like preaching and like just like the dynamics of preaching. What do you want? What are you trying to accomplish? All these like very theory, just out there questions, you know, what do you want to do? You trying to make them laugh or cry or both? all this stuff when we started talking, he's like, well, let's figure out some goals. And I said, I did the goal. I preached. I'm done forever, right? Like I, oh, <laughs> no more goals, buddy. That, that was it. And after a couple of weeks, I was like, you know what? It would be a really cool thing. If I could do a sermon series and here we are seven years later, I'm going to do my first sermon series, the, 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 the almost entire uh, month of January, we're going to go through a book. Uh, through a portion of a book that Scott said, we're never going to go through the book of revelation. And there is a good reason why a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of churches don't go through the book of revelation because it's confusing and people care way too much about it. They get really defensive. Now, now I want to preface it with something. We're talking about the, the first half right? The first half, it's all about these churches that he's talking about. Specific churches that they're going to be talking about. Life lessons, strengths, weaknesses, go, where do we go from here? Very practical things. So if you're the kind of person who's like, I've never read it because it's scary and I'm not artsy, it's okay. It's totally fine. Uh, This is going to be a great series for you. If you are that kind of person, wonderful. I'm gonna whet your appetite a little bit, a little bit, and and I I have a book, and I it's it's a 37 page thing that I can give out to you guys. This is a pamphlet that's in in the back. I only printed off a few, just but I'm gonna have more if you want more. It's fine. Uh, this goes through all those crazy things that we don't know about and we can't know about, and I don't care what you say. We don't know, right? <laughs> but it goes through all the different. Hey, uh, theories, all the different timelines, all the different back and forth and rapture, no rapture and trib and no trib, all that stuff. And if you don't know what that means, great, more power to you, right? And if you do, and you really care, grab one of these and read it and don't, it's fine. And it's absolutely fine. Um, This, I did not make this. This is from my old seminary, uh, now Gateway. When I went there, Golden Gate Seminary made this, and, and because it's not mine, there's some limitations. I can't have it out forever. It's only going to be during this series, so the next four or five weeks, something like that. And I can't send it electronically. So if you're out in TV land, YouTube, w- welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you email me, I can't send it to you. you got to come, and you got to physically get it. Um, but you're welcome to have it come anytime during the week. Just let me know you're coming and I'll I'll put out a packet for you or whatever you want to do. Um, really good stuff. We're not getting to any of this during this sermon series. So if you want to talk to me about it, great. I will listen to all your stuff and I, I I love it, but we're not going to get to it. It's a different, different time, different. So enough PSA. Are we ready? Okay. So now that I've said that, Uh, We got we got a little bit of intro to go through. Uh, Chapter one. Now chapter one is that little bit wet your appetite about the crazy of all the revelation and all the symbols and all the stuff like that. If you're artsy, Great. If you're not, just bear with me because we're going to get to a part of chapter two where it's the practical. It's very, very, very practical. It's, it's straight to the point. No, no craziness about it. Right. And, and, and I love both. Right. Because I'm a church guy. And when you're a church guy, you deal with both. Right. So let's open it up. If you uh, if you have your Bibles, feel free to open up to Revelation one. If You can't find it. Go to the back and you found it. Good job. And if not, uh, search on your phone or we got it on the screen. But before we do, let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for so much for this book. I pray that uh, even though sometimes it can be confusing, there is a ton of load of great, awesome, Wonderful lessons that we could take and we can really want run with. and we could apply not only to our lives, but our our own lives, our family, our community, our church, our world, our, everything about it. God. Wonderful wonderful lessons, God. Uh, pray for this time. Just pray that we could learn something about you and your love for us, God. Pray for all these things in your name. Amen. Uh, well, chapter one, like I said, is a little bit of an intro, a little a little bit of a lot of symbols here. so don't worry. Uh, just enjoy it. Get get some popcorn. We're gonna mostly listen, and then uh, we're gonna uh, go right into it. So, chapter one, verse one. It says, "The revelation of Jesus Christ." Have you ever heard of revelations? doesn't exist. It's revelation. It's one revelation from Jesus Christ, right? Uh, if, if you, if you went to my school, my undergrad and you, and you took the revelation class, I wouldn't know, but if you called it revelations in your revelation class, your teacher will make fun of you, right? And you will still remember it 10 years, 15 years later, right? Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Might soon take place? Might later take place? Might in thousands of years take place? Must take place. Why? Must soon take place. Important. These are important, vital words to hold on to, folks, right? Must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Why, folks, are we talking about the book of Revelation? Well, here in verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Ha <laughs> ha! Right? And not only for me, and blessed are blessed are those who hear it. You're welcome, right? And who keep what is written in it? This is an important, important book, folks. This is not something, as much as I could joke over about it and all that stuff, as much as every single church, not I'm not going to say every single church, 80, 90% of churches don't get to it because it's hard. Don't get to it because it's controversial. Don't get to it for a million other reasons. We talk about it, right? Uh, For the time is near. What time? Any guesses? The end, right? Revelation, end times. This is all things. End is near, close. When was this written? Take a guess. More than 100 years ago? 500 years ago? 1,000 years? Yeah. Longer. Is that near? Why hasn't it already happened? I don't know. Exactly mentality if Jesus came back tomorrow and we know about it how are you going to live like today if you know without a shadow of a doubt Jesus is coming back in 10,000 years how you live in life different you shouldn't we know that we all should we all should live life like today is our last Symbolic, like we we should live life like, hey, our days are numbered, but also everyone's days are numbered. Jesus could come back in five minutes and I don't have to finish and, and it's all over. How would everything in your life change? If, if we lived life with this mentality that it's coming soon, the end is here. It's nigh. It's right across the, the, the sunrise. It's right here. Everything changes. Uh, verse 4, John, to, uh, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits are before his throne. Now, It's starting. Oh, what spirits? I don't know. What's that mean? There's seven churches and seven spirits. Let's keep reading. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Firstborn of the dead. If you die, you can't come back to life. You're not first. Oh, wait. First, the first person. Wait, I get it now. Okay, I got it. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, And the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood. Once again, Jesus didn't die for your sins. He died for you. He loves you. He doesn't love your sin. He didn't die for that. He died for you uh, uh, because he freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Priest to his God and father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Holy cow. You know, uh, John, uh, John uh, he's an interesting cat, right? He's an interesting cat. But one thing he's got going for him is the second he talks about Jesus, he gets a little excited, right? Uh, we have preachers who, um, you know, they, they've been doing it for a while. And, and they're in their 80s and 90s, and, and they've been preaching, and it's just kind of old news. They, they say it, they, they, they talk with this passion, but guess what? John, he's been living this life for a while, and he gets excited over it. He gets gets really excited. Oh, Jesus is the guy who is to come, and he was, and he is, and he is to come, and forever and ever, and he's out. And this is the kind of feeling that we get from John. So even when uh, all is lost, even in this end time stuff, he gets excited. So remember that even during this time where it's kind of confusing, John throws in a little passion here and there. He gets excited. He says, oh, wait, even though this is confusing, even though he doesn't understand everything in this, he's going to be like, oh, guess what, though? Jesus is coming, and this is exciting, and he loves us, and all these things, right? Uh, Verse 7, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Where physically, status-wise, are the people who pierced Jesus? Are they alive right now? No, good, good one, right? Good. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and is who is to come. The Almighty, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance, that are in jesus was on the island called patmos on account of the word of god and the testimony of jesus so john goes to this island called patmos and it's it's very much um it's locationally it's it's interesting if you want to take a look at the map compared to where the churches are he he, he's on this island and as as you kind of look at the map and you and if you put little dots where the churches are it's a very simple like line. Oh, it's it's kind of like a circle and it's almost and I'm jumping forward a little bit here, but it's almost like, hey, I'm going to send this letter out and, from Patmos. And, and as each one of you gets this letter, you're going to see the previous church's stuff and the church's afterwards stuff, because we're going to go from these seven churches and it's almost like, hey, I'm writing you from this town of Pleasanton. And I'm writing to the church of Livermore and then to the church of Tracy and then to the church of Modesto. And and it's this straight line that it's like, hey, all these churches are connected and all these messages are connected. And even from this very simple location that God called him to, you could see that there's purpose in it. This isn't just a random location. It's not just because it's off the grid or away. God called John to a very strategic spot that this message that he's going to be receiving and that this message that John is going to be proclaiming is meant for a specific people group in a specific, a specific group location, but it's meant for more. Even the very symbol Of the location of it's going here, then there, and 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 then there there, means hey, it's not meant for just these people. It's meant for. And that's why we're talking about it. The Bible isn't meant, it was letters for people, but it's letters for people. And that's awesome. That's such a simple statement. That, hey, I'm on an island, can mean so much. And we, and I, have read that verse time and time again, and just said, location, cool. Let's move on, right? Uh, Man, you liking it so far? I'm kind of liking it. Um, uh, Testimony of Jesus, verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches revelation to Ephesus and Smyrna and per- 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 Pergamum and to Thyatira Thyatira sorry and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea Laodicea sorry then uh, then and this is when it gets a little crazy right then i turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on turning i saw seven golden lampstands and i took a class in revelation um and it was it was a lot of fun it was it was super fun and this that's where i got this this little pamphlet from right and uh he and the teacher had the audacity to sit there and say all right all you Well, we were kind of all over, but it was like 20, 30, and then we had some like 60-year-olds and all that stuff. All you pastors, wannabe pastors, pastors that have been doing it for 30 years, take out your pens and pencils, and we're going to make a little drawing. And this is what we drew. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. So you see lampstands, a man golden uh, golden, uh, golden uh, sash around his chest with robes, right? What pictures uh, portray that? Think, think old school Christianity, Catholicism. Who's wearing robes, people? Priests, Jesus, all those. Yes, both, right? Verse 14, the hairs of his heads were white. Symbol, what does that mean? You got a white hair, hair, head of hair. Age. Old. Wisdom. Thank you. Right? Like white wool. White wool. Purity. All of these huge symbols we miss. Right? So you got this picture. White a guy standing in 777 gold sash. Head full of white hair. Pure. Like snow. His eyes were like flame of fire. Symbols. What are they? Eyes of fire. Burning. Piercing. What are they piercing? That's a good one. If, if someone is staring at you and they have eyes of fire, anger, judgment, discernment, understanding, they're seeing past you. Uh, verse 15, his feet were like poly, a burnished bronze refined in a furnace. Bronze. What do you think back in the day metal was used for? War. Weapons. Ooh, that's interesting. Huh. And his voice was like a roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last. Folks, here's the thing that gets all of us. You see this man, metal, covered. He's got a sword coming out of his mouth, fire in his eyes. What do you think of? Judgment, war, power. See, see, this is a great time to do this because we just came out of Christmas and we said, how dumb are the people to think Jesus was coming as this war hero warrior? We, we sit here and we're like, wow, it's crazy that you could read the Old Testament and you think Jesus is gonna free them from Rome and Jesus is gonna be this powerful warrior. He's gonna come in strength. And weapons. And he's going to free you. And we read this. And guess what do we, just, we just did? The same thing. We say, wow. He's going to come back. And he's got fire. And he's got swords. And weapons. He's going to come violently. And John responds so. <gasps> what do you... Okay, I'm going to lay here. But he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Control, creator, endure, and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the king, the keys of death and Hades. I've conquered it. Not only do I conquer it, I have control over it. Folks, here's the potential problem with Christianity. We're gonna sit here all day long for the rest of our lives. If it's a day, a month, a year, a hundred years, and guess what? You're gonna die. And if Jesus does not have the power to bring you back, it does not matter. If you are not the lucky few who are still alive to bring Jesus, is gonna bring you up to heaven and then you get all, you're never gonna die and all that stuff. Guess what? You're already dead. Too bad. Sorry. You're out of luck. He's got the keys. He's not the only, not only did he come back to life, he's got control over it. He's not only the God of life, he's not only the God of Christmas, he's not only the God of births and happiness, he's the God over death. How dare we have celebrations of life? It's so hard for people to understand for Christians to be like, yeah, it's great. We lost grandma, mom. At the same time, why wouldn't we? There's more. We serve a God. But there's more that it doesn't just end at death. The story is so much about that. But if it's Jesus is still up there, if Jesus is still in the tomb, yeah, you might be a good person. Yeah, you might do some great things. But we all die, folks. Happy Sunday. Jesus didn't stay dead. Happy Sunday. Black Friday, Easter is coming. Yeah, there was a baby. Yeah, he, he lived a pretty great life. A lot of bad hurt at the end. He died. This is a good part. You hate when movies end on cliffhangers, but you love it. There's a war, there's a battle. Cliffhanger, the bad guys are going to lose. They're they're definitely going to all die. Frodo's going to fail. Is Frodo going to fail? Even though your favorite show, even though your favorite movie left you on that cliffhanger, you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. It might get a little worse. But guess what? Why is it Good Friday? Why is it happy? Why do we celebrate? Why aren't we just mourning? Why aren't we terrible? Why aren't we saying there's a hell and wow, gosh, I hate hell. There's more. Christ has the keys to death and Hades. Verse 19, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars and you saw in my right hand. So remember the the lampstand, the stars. What does all this Steve mean? I don't know. He's saying, he's telling you right now. In the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now there's a little confusion there. Seven angels. Got to be more than that. Seven churches. Pretty sure there's more than seven churches, right? I, Paul made more than seven. Do they close? They're not paying bills. What's going on? Well, there's a lot of ways you can look at this. You could say, well, there's seven churches, right? Seven is if biblically is a complete number. Seven days of creation. There's a lot of sevens, right? There's a lot of like completion with seven. That there's a rotation. There's something going on. There's completeness. So not only are we looking at seven churches, it may be, hey, this is symbolically for all churches, that we're only writing to seven, but this is really for everyone, right? And, and, and that's, that's what he says, it's for the seven churches, and maybe that's why he's only doing seven. Well, what about the angels? Well, uh, another, another great reason to get this little pamphlet, another good reason to look it up. Hey, what if there's, seven angel, there's an angel for every single church out there, guarding it, protecting it, right? Uh, uh, if you want to take that, great, right? So these are the seven angels that are going to get this message, return to their seven churches and preach it to their congregations to, to talk to the leaders, the pastors, all that stuff, right? Or another way you can look at it is that these are messengers, Right these are these aren't necessarily angels they're more like uh, uh uh leadership they're symbols it's not a rock bible angel it's the rock bible uh ambassador who went to patmos to get this message from paul take it how, or john sorry i was talking about paul here uh take it how you want doesn't really matter at the end of the day uh the important thing is that they're they're getting this message that we're getting this message and we're running with it right so if you enjoyed chapter one great if you saved me wonderful if you didn't re re re-listen to it reread it all that good stuff get a good commentary all the good stuff moving on to the to the practical chapter two in the nitty-gritty right ready Now he's writing to, he's talking to these angels, messenger, whatever it may be, right? To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So this is power, authority. Hey, this isn't some random message. I'm writing this as John, but this is from God, the Alpha, the Omega, the, the creator of all these churches, the one who holds them in his hand. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you can, cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And found them to be false. A little scary there. It's a little message of saying, hey, there's people out there calling themselves apostles, calling themselves Christians, and you're testing them. And you're finding it's not true. Good thing that doesn't happen today. Good thing you can't look at the news. Good thing you can't get on Facebook or anything like that and see all these messages from Christians. And hey, maybe they're not Christians. And maybe just because they're a reverend or pastor or whatever, maybe they're in the wrong. Maybe just because they, they, they proclaim these things, maybe that's not what it's all about. Verse three I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Verse four But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do, not do, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What's the lampstand? Church. Wow. What does that mean? Your church is going to go invisible? It's going to move? How does God remove churches? Think about it. Why are we here and another church isn't? How long are we going to be here? For all good questions, right? Uh, uh, unless you repent. Yet, this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans. Who are they? Doesn't matter, right? I can tell you all about them. Not all about them, because we don't know honestly all about them. I can tell you how they're Gnostic and they don't really believe in the Bible and they don't believe that Jesus came back. But they, they, it doesn't matter. It says, hey, you hate the works of them which I also hate. Jesus hates stuff? I didn't know that. He's supposed to be holding sheep and and babies and all that stuff, right? Uh, He he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. So we got these new fancy bulletins, or Bryce likes to call them papers, uh, work things, uh, whatever. And on the back there, you see, there's some, there's some blank spots. And, and I made a little list for you, but hey, you're smart. You, you, you might find some works or some strengths that I'm gonna miss, right? So I'm gonna give you some strengths. I'm gonna give you some weaknesses. But if you say, oh, I missed one, write it in there, it's okay. Right? It, not everything has to be a, a direct fill-in. And you can you get your creative juices a little flowing every once in a while. Okay, remember? So, uh, strengths. What is the strengths of the Church of Ephesus? Well, he said the works, what they do. This is not talking about what you work at, your career, their actual works, their day to day, what you do, your actions. This is a church that is action-based. They do things, right? They're not sitting around in a Bible study 24/7, not doing anything. They're not sitting in committees 24/7, not actually accomplishing anything. They're workers. They're doers. They endure. Ladies and gentlemen, I will never forget this phrase. But one of my teachers, uh, I don't, I, I don't. If, if, if this means anything, I don't even know who said it, but I remember the statement. He said, you're not doing anything great unless someone calls you the Antichrist, right? Unless someone thinks you are a terrible, horrible, just God-awful person, you're not doing anything right. If you're getting along with everybody, if everyone loves you, if no one's, itch, oh gosh, just, you're not doing anything right. If, if your end goal, chief goal, only, only live to please people, what are you missing out on? Church of Ephesus, why do they have to endure? They're working. They're doing good things. The implied when you're doing works, you're serving the community. They're, I don't know, they're a community that serves like the greater community. They're doing things. They're making stuff happen. They're going out, they're doing things, right? Why would they have to endure? Shouldn't they be loved? Shouldn't shouldn't the community accept them? Shouldn't the community care about them and all the things? Oh, wait. Sometimes, being a church, some people don't like you. And higher-ups, they try to control you. And other people, they try to say you're doing things wrong. Endure. It's a good thing. Discernment. This is the whole apostle thing you're, you're you're testing people hey you're a okay okay let's see that's a good thing you taking people out their word uh if you've ever done it 100 percent of the time can you lead you down a little bit uh this is why we do background checks at rock bible not every person who emails me, who talks to Gene, whoever, and who wants to serve in children's ministry, who talks to Megan, who wants to serve, and is going to be able to. Why right? We do our due diligence. We say, no, we, got, we have to do a background check. And if they say, oh, no, it's okay. That's when I'm like, it ain't okay. <laughs> Big red flag, right? And they're like, oh, no, it's fine. Oh, I it wasn't loud. Don't even worry. I'm like, oh, we should worry about this guy. Why? Discernment, understanding that there's evil out there, wolves in sheep's clothing. There's people who proclaim they're Christians. You get to know them. And I don't have to say this because you all know, right? We all know people. We all know. Oh, I really care about you. I really care about who you are. I just, and you're just a horrible person. And, and I, I, I just, I, you know, just God told me in a vision, I, like, you're just God-awful. And I just, you know, ah, did he? Classic. Cla- the, the, the great thing about it, because we all know youths, students, I swear, every single year, Jesus must be talking to high school boys about how they should date so-and-so. Because I, I swear every single week, every single month, it's God just really wants. And it's, it's never like God wants me to date such and such. God really wants me to marry. Wow. Okay. That was easy. I wish I got that. Cause that would have saved me from a whole lot of trouble, right? I'd be, I would have saved a lot of money, a lot of heartbreak. And I would just, <laughs> Hey, you're going to marry this girl named Ashley. Great. What's your name? Kelly. Bah right. <laughs> and we say that we jokingly because we all have been past it. We all know, oh God did maybe may, yeah, maybe, but probably, probably not. And for us, God's calling me to this, such that, this, that, the other thing. Could he? Absolutely. Yeah. God talks to us all the time. Discernment. Mm, is this God talking to me, or is this me talking to me? Because one of those voices is great, wonderful, safe. The other voice, my own, scary. He, he makes some poor decisions. He does things sometimes, and I worry about him, pray about him, or pray for him. Right. Lastly, hates sin. Strength, hating sin. It's a cliche, we say it a hundred million times. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Why is it a cliche? It's true. You hear it so many times, we all hear it so many times, and yet, we don't get it. It's hard, it's messy. See, some of us, and here's, it goes into those weaknesses, feel free to keep working on those strengths, but here, here's the weakness. And here's the problem when you get into hating sin it's lacks love, the weakness. We focus so much on judgment. We focus so much on discernment. We focus so much on what people are doing wrong that we sit there lacking love. We lack what it's all about, folks. We sit here and it's all about guilt. And we sit here. And we say, God died, Jesus died for our sins. And in good motives, what started out right about hating sin turns into something more. It evolves to something greater. It's not so much about hating a sin anymore. It's about hating a people, a people group, a lifestyle, whatever it may be. And of course, When you hate a people group, they take it the wrong way. Shocker. When you say, My God hates you, usually they don't take it right. If you were sitting here at this church today and you were about to leave and outside there was a group of fill in random religion and they serve Bob and they say, Bob hates you, come to our church. Are you coming to that church? So we preach, hey, God hates sin, but we get a little excited sometimes. And we say, God hates, insert thing. And shockingly enough, they don't want to come on Sunday morning. Weakness. The church of Ephesus is strong. They do all these great things. They're doing things to prove that God loves them, but in their words, not so much. It's almost like our words matter. It's almost like what we say matters. That every mean tweet, text, email, call matter. And, 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 and we live in a society where that is not the case. <laughs> You get off with so much, and and as much as we joke about cancel culture and all that stuff, you can say a lot, a lot of stuff, a lot. But then, on church on Sunday, we showed up. Oh, it's i so, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not this. I'm not that. I served. How I built houses in Mexico. I'm good. I can say whatever I'm. What we say matters. Here's the solution. And, and if, if you skipped ahead a little bit, if you read down, there's not a bunch, of, a bunch of highlighted things. There's not three steps. There's one step, folks. One thing that we got to do. And it's, it's so easy. It's so simple. You could probably fill it in if you've been here long enough. And yet, it's what exactly what we need to do. It's exactly what John is telling you to do. It's repent and rediscover first love. Repent and rediscover first love. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, Uh, there's a joke in the youth group. We were talking about like, and I don't even know when this was. It might've been Jonah. I don't remember though. It was a little while ago. We're talking about repentance and we're like, all right, kids, what do you know about repentance? And one of the kids is like, Oh, it's that thing Catholics do. You know, you got to go to the booth and you got to repent and then you're going to move. Right. And we're like, well, we do that too, right? Like, we're not the booth type of people. You can't come during the week and be like, oh, Father of Mary, I don't know. I, I didn't grow up Catholic, but you, know, you don't do that. But we definitely do repentance. And here's the problem with repentance. We think it's asking God for forgiveness, which it absolutely is, right? Don't get me wrong. We have to admit we're wrong. We can't move on. We have to ask for forgiveness with God and with others. We can't just be like, well, John happy new year, right? Like when you like did something, you have to be like, Hey, sorry, I did. God, I apologize. Even though, you know, I apologize for. That's half of it. Verse 24 and see if there be any grievous way in me. Sorry, look at me. And lead me in the way of everlasting life change. Repentance is as much about life change as it is about asking for forgiveness. It's as much as saying, yeah, I did something wrong. uh," Then saying, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that again. Yeah, I lied. Sorry. I don't lie. Did you really feel, really feel bad about lying? If you see, there's 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 a danger when we've been doing this for too long. When we've done Easter and Good Friday for too long and Christmas for too long, we look at this and and communion loses its impact. You remember the first time you did communion? And you got a little scared and a little worried. And am I doing this right? And everyone else is doing it. Should I do it? And man, I got to pray. Is, is this time to do this? I, do I have to wait? Do we all take it together or am I doing this separate? When's the last time we felt like that? When's the last time we approached Christmas and actually, actually really thought that the God of the universe was born? Big deal. Gigantic deal. When's the last time we approached Easter and said, wow, Good Friday is important. And I should take my kids out of school. And they're not doing sports. And they're not doing anything. Because today is important. And if I'm not telling them that it's important, they're not getting it. Because no one's talking about it. And Christmas is important. And it's not just like every other holiday. There's weight. There's a big deal. And it's not Scott being a jerk and saying, oh, Merry happy holiday. No, Merry Christmas. He's not being a jerk about it. It's a big, big deal. That's repentance, folks. We say, wow, I messed up. And I did it a million times before, and I'm probably going to do it again. But this is a big deal. A perfect sacrifice was made for little old me. Whew. And yeah, it's a free gift. And yeah, I know he's God of love. He's going to forgive me. I know that. The next time I mess up, I know it is. I got to try. I got to literally try. And this isn't about, and it fits into this whole new year's Year's resolution thing so well, because when you offend a date, it doesn't care. If you say 2022 is going to be my year and I'm going to lose 20 pounds and I'm going to do this and I'm going to read my Bible and you, and you have the audacity to hurt 2022's feelings. He's not going to care. When we say God, I'm sorry, and you died on a cross already, bigger deal than not going to the gym once a week or in bigger. Di- Our hope is in that. And it's not just about repentance, rediscovering that first love of wow communion holy cow and baptism oh my gosh like for the maybe first time or rededicate this person is standing in front of everyone and saying hey you might have known me last week no more and they're getting baptized and getting dunked and, and this weird thing that no one else does. God calls them to it. Um, there's a underlining thread throughout Ephesus, this, this church, Ephesus, that they're doing things to do things. They 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 they're hurting themselves just to get hurt. They're they're prevailing and they're 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 putting themselves out there that they're saying, Hey, look at me, I'm getting hurt, and I'm gonna start fights. And no, you can't tell me what to do, right? Jesus is the only one can judge me and all those things, and all whatever whatever. and and it's just a fight, just a fight. And in First Corinthians 9:27, it says uh, of 26 and 27, sorry. Uh, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. It's not pointless. This isn't just running to run. This isn't fighting to fight. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to, to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Remember that whole, like, I'm taking your lamp stand away? thing fight worship serve love like this church is closing fight like your religion your relationship everything depends on it love your spouse like it it matters like everything you do matters because it does so many of us leave here and act like Jesus ain't coming back tomorrow. And, and it's funny because that's kind of a commentary on the book of Revelation itself. We get so wrapped up on the meaning of the literal meaning of dates, times, all those things, phases, all those things, that we miss the point. That we get wrapped up you want to know why so many churches, like I kind of digged on them, but like there's a reason why so many churches don't talk about this. Because it brings out so much ugly. It brings out so much hate. It brings out all these misunderstandings and all these things that people do. And the point of Revelation is to say love people. This is a commentary on that, folks. As they're saying, hey, guess what, Ephesus? You're fighting, that's great. What about the love? And now we're looking at the book of Revelation and we fight and the book of Revelation is saying love. It's not about just mindless fights. It's not about just picking up fights with one another. It's not about this, that, the other thing. It's about love. We got to remember that this is not a base tier belief system. In our, in our, the back, the membership thing, right? If you, if, if we're asking you, hey, are you a believer or whatever? We're not talking about this. If, if we're like, oh, you want to join Rock Bible? Okay, what's your stance on the tribulation? When does it happen? It's not a big deal. Is it important? Yeah, But it is so up further. Years. There's so much more to work on. So much more to work on. Right? Lastly, Mark 10, 13 through 16. Uh, And this is kind of the, the... I want to encompass kind of hard to encompass an idea. And this is kind of what I wanted to end on. It says Mark 10 through 13 through 16. And they were bringing uh, children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. This is Jesus. Obviously the disciples bringing Jesus, children to Jesus. The disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Folks, the reason why I do student ministry is, is primarily... I don't, gosh. Selfishly, primarily... Um, the same reason why I like preaching so much is because I get the best seat in the house. When God uses me and I see something for the first time, impact someone. Say, hey, maybe, maybe life isn't about video games. Maybe life isn't about girls. Maybe life isn't about my job my hobby, what insert thing. Maybe it's more important. And in student ministry, something happens and it's, it's a little sad because it happens a lot. You go on these camps, you go on new year's Eve, you do whatever, right? And you get waves of kids sobbing and just loving Jesus Something was said. Something hit them. They were in a small group. They were listening to a song. They're, they're talking to their buddies way too late and, and Jesus gets a hold of them. And everything changes. And everything changes. They go home. They act different. They go to school. They act different. They go to sports. They act different. And sometimes... Parents get in the way. Act normal. We can't talk about that. School isn't a time for Jesus. And preaching, it's the same thing. I say something, Scott said something. We sit there and we're like, this is it. Life change. Everything is different. I'm going to work tomorrow, different. I'm treating my wife, I'm treating my husband, my boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, different. My colleagues, my everything, my boss, is, everything is gonna change and it does. And then we get in the way. And we say, work's not the time or place for Jesus. My, my neighborhood doesn't work like that. I can't invite people to Christmas Eve, sir. I can't do those things. We get in the way. And Jesus is very simply saying, look at children. Get excited. Just because your heart is pounding does not mean it's a bad thing. Just because you want to go over to your neighbors and tell them to come to church doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Just because you want to change your life doesn't mean you should be ashamed of it. We are doing something different. And if the world is okay with your lifestyle, you're not doing something right. (laughs) Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this book. We thank you for the book or for the church of Ephesus. Ephesus because they are dealing with things that we deal with as well. We deal with hate. We deal with balance of love and judgment. And we balance all these, these ideas of wisdom and discernment. And how does that work? And it's hard. It is so hard and it doesn't make sense, but we're trying. Forgive us for not foremost and firstly and continuously and throughout and forever loving and forgive us for judgment. I pray that you will challenge us like you challenged the church of Ephesus, that this isn't something that, that we just leave here and it stays here, that we take it home and we work on it for the rest of today, this week, this year, our lives. I pray for this offering, God. Bless it. I pray that it is, it is pleasing to you, God. Pray that if there's anyone new here, they, they feel no obligation to give, but simply understand and acknowledge what we do as a church family, God. Pray for all these things in your name. Amen. Uh, go, repent, and go rediscover that first love. Go with him. good okay, dear. It's going to be a good one.